God. Go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy 3 is where we'll start this morning. And if you were not here last week, there's some handout on your table that has what we covered last week filled in. If you were here last week, you can pick up on your uh, handout if you still have that with you from uh, our time together then. We're going to continue on the theme of instruction today, and uh, we have spent the last several weeks thinking about the two different tools in our toolbox that God has given us as parents, uh, one of those being discipline or training, not simply discipline when our kids do something that is wrong and correct them, although that's part of discipline, but really forming and, and shaping them in, uh, in a variety of ways, including that. And then uh, we've been looking last week and we'll continue this week thinking about instruction and how we are to teach our kids in a variety of ways. And, and we started uh, last week by uh, giving some different principles that will help us to instruct our children as God intends. The first being we have to embrace our responsibility for instructing our kids. We have to recognize that we, we have that primary role, even though there are others who speak into our kids' lives, we are the, the chief responsible party, according to God's word, for that instruction of our kids. And so we looked at a number of verses that uh, remind us of that, and we are grateful for those who assist us and partner with us, but we need to, to feel that weight and uh, embrace that responsibility. We saw, secondly, that we need to remember our goal in instructing our kids. 2 Timothy 3, 14, Paul was writing to Timothy and he reminded him, to, he said, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And, and that's really our goal with our kids, that they would learn something as Timothy had, but more than just gaining head knowledge, although we want them to gain head knowledge, that they would have hearts that are changed, that they would be convinced of what they have learned and feel the conviction from those truths, and then ultimately that they would continue in that as Paul was hopeful and praying for Timothy. Um, it's not just that we want them to be able to pass multiple choice Bible knowledge tests. It's that we want their hearts to love Christ and to be captivated by him and to delight in and obey him for a, a lifetime, which requires offensive parenting that we are, are not just telling them don't do this and don't do this, but we are communicating the supreme value of Christ. And, and then we said we have to remember that our example or recognize that our example is instructing our children. It's not just about what we say to our kids, it's about our life. As Paul told Timothy, he said, Re, um, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. It wasn't that the people who taught him had like a PhD and they were some scholar, it was knowing the character and the, the example of your mom and your grandma and of, of Paul himself. And so we need to recognize that our life speaks volumes to our kids, that that it's not just about saying the right thing to them, it's about living a, a faithful, godly example before them. And, and we saw also that our, our worship is contagious for our kids, that what we worship is contagious. They pick up on what we worship, what is most valuable to us, and how we worship. The zeal with which we worship the Lord and live our lives for him is gonna be picked up by them in many cases. And, and then we were just reminded as well that our marriage preaches the gospel to our kids, that, that the testimony of our relationship with our spouse 
is one of the ways that we reinforce the truth of the gospel in the mind and hearts of our, our children. Then we wrapped up by being reminded that as we instruct our kids and move towards verbal instruction, we need to prioritize scripture in instructing our kids because as we saw in, in 2 Timothy there, scripture gives wisdom for salvation. In verse 15, Paul says, from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ. And that should be our, our chief desire for our kids, that they would gain the wisdom and, and submit themselves in faith to Christ. And scripture is the primary means that God has given us for instructing them in that way. And, and we also see in this passage that scripture is, is profitable. It's profitable for all the things we need to do as parents, teaching and reproof and correction and training. And, and so if we want scripture to be a priority in our instruction, that means it's gonna be the primary content for us and it needs to be on our hearts and our minds. And we'll think a little more about that as we go throughout our time today, how we, how we do that um, and how we instruct kids. Anybody have a, an example of a time this week where you were interacting with your kids and you had the opportunity to bring scripture to bear on, uh, on the conversation or on the interaction that you had with them? Okay. Yeah, so in, intentionally setting aside some time to, to do that. Other thoughts? Opportunities? You know, I hope as we, as we think about a day of parenting, you know, every day that we will look back and, and we will see opportunities that, by God's grace, we took to share scripture with our kids and to engage them in those ways. And, and you know, we'll probably look back also a lot of days and say, oh, that was an opportunity that I could have taken and I didn't, and, and a chance to just grow and continue and in, uh, in thinking about those things. We'll talk a little more about some of the practical ways to do that here in just uh, a bit, but I, I want us to think um, before we get to that on, on one uh, other principle of our instruction, which is that we must be careful to emphasize the gospel in instructing our children. Um, you know, Paul, again, in 2 Timothy, told Timothy that from childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ. And it's very easy for us as parents um, to make the scriptures uh, more about what our kids should do or who our kids should imitate and to forget that the primary message of scripture is giving the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's common in a lot of children's um, resources, a lot of children's curriculum, you know, even to take good stories from the Bible and to make those uh, a more of a moral lesson of here's what you should do then, or here's how you can be like this person than seeing Christ ultimately as the hero and our need for him. You know, the, the classic example that comes to my mind is, um, um, Dave and the giant pickle from the VeggieTales. Maybe you enjoy VeggieTales or you've, and you've seen some, uh, a bunch of those. But, um, you know, kind of the theme of that retelling of David and Goliath was little guys can do big things too. That's the message. Now, is it a bad thing to say that, you know, people who are smaller can still accomplish things that God has planned for them? And that's true that God did that through David. But that's not the primary point of David and Goliath, it was, it was God's glory that David was standing for. It was ultimately a, a, a reminder of, of the, the value and worth of God and how, how he is, is worthy. Um, 
And so there's, a, there's just this temptation, though, to want to take every story of the Bible and make it about how our kids should live in a way that's more convenient for us or in a way that just um, you know, reinforces truth that we want them personally to, to apply in their life and to miss the bigger picture. And, and so we got to keep in mind the, the point of Scripture and the point of our scriptural instruction is not simply to to change our kids' behavior, that's not our chief goal. It's to see them understand their need of Christ and the, the hope for Christ, which means we've got to be filling our interaction and instruction with them with the truth of the gospel. Now, the truth of the gospel, what is the truth of the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 says specifically, the truth of the gospel is about Jesus. Paul says this is the gospel. It's that Jesus uh, his, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's that truth about him. Um, you and I both know that truth about Jesus occurs in a larger context. There's the, the set of biblical or theological truths that go along with the gospel, the truth about God as holy and creator and man as sinner, and then how Christ's life and death and burial and resurrection fit in with the offer of salvation that God has given us and our response. And so some of our instruction with our kids is those doctrinal truths. And we will think more in a minute about how those things intersect, but the truth about man's sin, do you have many opportunities to talk to your kids about the truth about man's sin? Yeah, because most of life, is them sinning or someone else sinning in their presence, you know? And so we have lots of time to, to, to connect the truth about man's sin. Do we have opportunity to talk about God as creator and as holy with our kids? You bet. I mean, you walk outside and there, there's a thunderstorm coming and it's a picture of God's power and we can, can seize those opportunities. So we need to have in our mind these truths of the gospel that we are eager to share with our kids. And again, we can, we'll talk a little more about that practically in a bit, but it, it's also not only those truths, but it's, it's the story of God's work. You know, the Bible is a narrative primarily. It's, it's a story of creation that was good, that fell into sin, and then God's plan of redemption leading to a new creation that God has restored. That's the truth of of God's work in us as sinners and in this world. And again, do we have opportunities to talk about those things? Do we see the effects of the fall in our world? Yeah, I mean, my, my daughter's homesick today. She's coughing and, and kind of miserable. And, and, you know, that's a result of sin and the fall. And it's not just an isolated thing. It's, it's part of the story of, of what God has revealed has gone on in our world. And there's hope because of Christ and and uh, that's what we want our kids to come to understand. We want them to recognize their sin and to humble themselves before the Lord, to cry out in faith, embracing the truth of what Christ has done. And so we need to be communicating the, the truth of the gospel, but not only the, the truth of those things, but I think we also as parents need to think about the need for the gospel. You know, so many parents think of the gospel as what their kids need to be saved. And their chief goal is, oh, if I can just get my kids to believe the gospel, and we'll talk more about this in, in the next couple of weeks as we think about issues of evangelizing children and baptism and communion and some of those things together. But, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, I just want my kid to embrace the gospel. I can check it off that they will not go to hell. I'm excited about that. They're excited about that. 
whoo, the big sigh of relief, and now we can move on from the gospel to other things. And, and that's not the picture that scripture paints. The picture that scripture paints is the gospel is what we all need to be saved, yes, but it's also what we all need to be thinking about all the time as we are living for the Lord as well. So we're studying a book in church called Romans. It's all about what? The gospel. It's, it's the depth of truth about the gospel, and it was written to a church, and, it, and we're studying it as believers. The gospel is not a one-time, once they're saved, woo, we can move on. It's they need to be understanding and saturated by this uh, and we need that as well. And, and, and it's not just the gospel that they need, and so the recurring instruction about that, it's also the fact that all people everywhere need the gospel. So if your kids hear you or hear me tell them the most important thing for you to know and believe is the gospel, and they never hear of us telling anybody else about that, what do you think they're gonna think? They're gonna say, well, Either you're mean to everybody else because you're not telling them the most important thing that they need to know too, or it's not really as important as you say it is. And so our kids need to, uh, to see the, the example of us proclaiming the gospel um, and, and even sharing opportunities that we have. You know, I think as parents, sometimes we live our example out in front of our kids and we hope they get it, which is good but we also miss opportunities to tell our kids about opportunities that we have that we are taking that they don't know about. So if you have a great opportunity to talk to a neighbor about the gospel, you know, your kids don't know that. They don't know if you were talking about, you know, mowing the grass or if you were talking about a tool you were gonna borrow, or if you were talking about Jesus. And so to, to help them to see and to, to be engaged in those things, to share with them, you know, hey, let's be praying tonight for our neighbors. I was able to talk to them about some of these things or, or those kinds of things. So helping them to see that the, the truth of the gospel is what they need to understand and believe and they need the gospel every day to be on the forefront of their mind as do all people and we are living in a way that communicates that reality to them. So emphasize scripture and as we do that, emphasize the big picture truth of scripture that is the good news of Christ, the gospel. And as we're doing these things, and where we wanna spend most of our time today, we want to be intentional about instructing our children in these ways. Turn to Deuteronomy 6. And again, we've spent a little time in this passage previously. It's, it's reminded us of our responsibility for instructing our kids, and it's reminded us that the scriptures and the truth of God's word need to be on our hearts. We need to love God before we can instruct our kids. But it also gives us a picture of the, the how of instructing. Pick up again in verse four where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. That's scripture dwelling in us. That's us loving Christ and living out our example of, of faithfulness to him. Not perfection, but striving to love him and, and acknowledging when we fall short and meditating on the words of God so that we can obey and so that we can, can be speaking of those things. And then verse seven, says, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, house and on your gates. This, this idea of, of teaching diligently, it's of uh, an idea of, of repetition, of, of carving something, etching something into stone or into another material where we are repeatedly reinforcing the same things and, and the result is that it's etched onto their minds and heart. You know, we, we have conversation after conversation after conversation with our kids. I saw one of my daughters last night, she's like, you've told me this a million times, you can stop. I'm like, nope, good try. <laughs> but you're, you know, you got another seven or eight years, so you're gonna get it a lot more. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's that process of diligently teaching, re- meaning we're re- repetitively teaching and we are intentionally teaching those things. And I think in, in this text, you see two different kinds of instruction. You see, you shall teach them diligently which is more of what we would think of as formal, um, I I would say intentional, but I think we need to be intentional about non-formal instruction. It's more formal, it's more structured teaching. It's more of this is the curriculum we wanna instruct our kids in, but then he says you shall also talk of them when you are doing all kinds of other things. It's both of those. It's the formal instruction and it's informal interaction. I want us to think about formal instruction first, and, and on your table, I have put a, a list of recommended resources. Um, it's, it's certainly not everything that is, is good out there. There's more that could be added, um, but this is some things that we have benefited from and that I recommend. Some of these um, I have up here that you can look at. The, the first page there is books about parenting, and I, I didn't bring many of those in. I've referred to some of those. Some of those uh, I've, I've quoted out of a uh, number of different ones there. Uh, the, the first book on that list there, Intentional Parenting, Family Discipleship by Design, is a book that really speaks to some of what we're covering uh, here today. And the second one as well, Everyday Talk, Talking Freely and Naturally About God with Your Children. Um, but many of those are, are good books that we've referred to. Couple that are specifically to parenting teenagers there, Age of Opportunity uh, by Paul David Tripp. And then there's one, uh, Get Out of My Face on more teenagers who are more rebellious. And then some books on family and, and corporate worship that we've, uh, I think, uh, mentioned a, a couple of times as well. Uh, we'll come back to some of those other resources on that page here in, uh, uh, in the coming weeks as we talk about some different issues that are pertinent to parents. But one book that I mentioned there is Greg Gilbert's book, What is the Gospel? And uh, I meant to bring a copy of that down and I forgot, but it's a little black book that, uh, that's an easy read, but it goes through the truth of the gospel in a very clear and powerful way. And I think it's great for parents to read, uh, great for, for kids ultimately to read, but for parents to read just so we have a clear picture in our mind of this is what we're constantly coming back to with our, with our kids. But as we, as we think of, of formal instruction, those are things that we intentionally say, okay, we want our kids to be exposed to this truth. How do we on a regular ongoing basis make sure that happens? Some of the ways this looks is through things like 
family worship or Bible reading or Bible study. Now, when you hear family worship, some of you think this complicated, um, you know, church service-like thing that is very far from what, it, uh, what, what I mean when I say that or what I hope comes to your mind when you say that. When we say family worship, we just mean we are worshiping as a family, worshiping being things like singing together or praying together or reading the Bible together. And that may be, you know, in, in a more deliberate, structured way, you know, where you're sitting in the living room together. Uh, you know, Ryan may have a PowerPoint for his message for his kids or whatever he's doing. But, um, you know, it may be, <laughs> I, it, it may be that you are sitting around, you know, before breakfast or after dinner, and it's not as, you know, it, there's nothing that, that feels you know, formal about it in the sense that we would equate formality with being dressed up. And, you know, it's not those kinds of things. It's just reading the Bible with your kids. It's praying with your kids. It's singing with your kids. And it, it can be very short and brief. It's better for those times to be uh, too short, wanting more than too long, you know, ah, we're doing this. And, uh, you know, and, and again, it's going to grow and develop as your kids grow and develop in those ways. And and again, this can be, you're putting your kids to bed, you're sitting down with a kid's Bible for a few minutes reading a story from that. Um, as they grow, it, it can look, uh, look different uh, in those ways. A um, couple of things on that, that list that I'll, I'll point out, you know, there's a number of really good kid's Bibles now that do not do what I was referring to with just making the Bible stories about, you know, imitate this character. Um, you're probably familiar with a number of them. Uh, one of them, the big picture story Bible, is more for littler kids. You know, it's a pretty brief uh, overview. You see not a lot of words on the page. The word to picture ratio kind of tells you the, the age of kid that's appropriate for that. Um, Jesus Storybook Bible, as they get a little bit older, is another great one that many of you have probably uh, used and, and read. As they get even older, there's some other ones like the Gospel Story Bible, which gives a little more uh, depth, but still has uh, you know, really a focus on the, the overall story of redemption. One that we enjoyed with our kids, I think it's maybe out of print, but you can still get it in, um, in, in a used way, is the 365 Bible stories for young hearts. Doesn't mean you have to take a year to go through it, but um, it basically divides the Bible into 365 chunks. And it, it goes through in, in greater detail than most kids' Bibles think. So like there's actually some sections here from Numbers and Leviticus. And uh, so it's a little more comprehensive than a typical uh, kids' Bible. So we, we have enjoyed um, that. One that our, uh, we've used with our, our kids as they've started reading is the Read With Me. It's the NIRV, which is the reader's version of the NIV. It's a, a, a lower reading level. Um, so this is just the NIRV, and, uh, and so our, our kids can read this out loud, um, and um, we can uh, in, involve them in that way uh, with that as well. Um, some other ones up here as well. So it's something that's age appropriate that you can use with your kids to intentionally say, we wanna be regularly exposing them to the scriptures. Now at some point, we want to expose them not just to a children's Bible, but to the actual scriptures as well. Um, and that can be something we do in conjunction with that, you know, pulling in a, a, another little bit of scripture uh, every now and then. Some things that we have used for that are 
uh, particularly holiday times, like the, um, you know, reading uh, intentionally through the Christmas story, you know, over Advent, uh, which we're just, uh, just kind of starting, uh, reading the Easter account as we get to Easter, uh, and trying to, to think through different ways to do that uh, with other resources. I don't know if you've seen the book that John MacArthur put together, One Perfect Life, which weaves the gospel accounts together in one book, but that's been a fun way to, uh, to read scripture with our kids as well, so that it's, it's a little different than what they're, they're always used to, uh, but still is, uh, is reinforcing those things. Um, there's a number of family devotion guides that can be helpful as well for that time. Uh, one that if you have kids in, in Sunday school here, that we just started this year using the updated version of Generations of Grace. This is a family devotion guide that goes with our Sunday school curriculum. So again, it, it, the fact that you're responsible and I'm responsible doesn't mean we can't benefit from others who are helping us. And so this is one that um, you can take the lesson they're learning in Sunday school and the week after or the week before leading up to that or whatever week you get to it on, um, you can be utilizing that in, uh, in your home and it, it works back through that passage and pulls in some others that relate as well. Um, before we had that one, this was one that I um, recommended a, a number of, t- uh, of years as well called Long Story Short. Similar idea goes through the Old Testament. There's another one called... Um, old story new, I think it is, that does the New Testament. And uh, so those can be helpful. Uh, again, it, don't, don't make more of it in your mind than you need to, to where you are paralyzed by the thought of doing this, or you feel like the expectation is a 30 minute, you know, three point message from dad. Uh, it's not, it's, it's to engage your kids with the truth, to intentionally be working through that. Sometimes you can you know, not only be focused on scripture in that time, but on teaching them theology as well. And so there's a number of good kids resources for that um, that are, uh, are available that I put on there uh, for you as well. The book Theology um, by uh, Marty Makowski, or however you pronounce his last name, uh, he's written a couple of those other, other books as well, is, uh, is a, a really good kind of kids systematic theology. Um, Big Truths for Young Hearts is a book by Bruce Ware that you and I benefit from because Bruce Ware is a really good theologian. And uh, basically this is kind of a systematic theology for older elementary kids, youth age kids, but for most of us we would benefit. But he, he shared theology with his kids and then he said, you know, hey, I've shared these with my kids. I'm gonna put this in a book so that other people can benefit from that in those ways. So we've read that to our kids. Uh, read it and talk about with with them in those ways. Um, so family worship, Bible reading, Bible study, those intentional times where we say we're gonna we're gonna be focused on the scripture with our kids in a regular way. Um, I think for different families that's gonna look different in terms of when they do that. Some it may be great to do it. You know, we get up in the morning and we do this together before we start our day. Uh, some. You know, you may do it in the evening at a, fam- at, a, at a meal related to that. Some it may be, you know, in bed. Some it may be we try to do it in the morning, but it do- if it doesn't happen then, we try to do it at dinner. And if it doesn't happen then, we try to do it in the evening. And hopefully several times a week, we do at least one of those, uh, are able to do at least one of those. So again, don't think it has to look exactly like someone else. Talk to others about what they do, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same. So 
family worship, Bible reading, Bible study, intentional times um, together are a great way to do formal instruction. Another helpful thing that the church has historically uh, used are catechism questions for kids. And um, catechism questions are just um, a, a series of questions and answers that kids memorize and, and adults can memorize as well so that we have biblical truth in our brains with us as we are, uh, are going throughout our life and day. And um, I didn't bring any up this morning, but on the, uh, at the Welcome Center in the Children's Building is a, a music CD and a little booklet of the catechism questions that we're doing in our children's ministries this year. And so in Sunday school, we take about five, 10 minutes and uh, work on a catechism question each week and then review ones that we are, uh, uh, that have been done before. And so there's a little booklet there that gives you those questions, gives you the date. Yep, there's one. Um, that's what it looks like. And uh, so you can take that at home and be utilizing that with your kids as well um, and rehearsing and reviewing those things. There's also a music CD. We'll talk more about music in a, a moment as well that goes with those catechism questions. So you can stick that in the CD player or download it on your phone or whatever and, and, uh, and be able to play those in a way to rehearse that as well. Um, those are, are, again, an intentional structured, hey, we're gonna try to do this in a regular way uh, so that we have, uh, are, are putting those things into their brain and then we can refer to those as we go throughout life. Um, scripture memory related to that is another great way to be intentionally teaching our kids and intentionally putting God's word into their hearts and minds. Again, you can use the help of, of tools that the church offers. You know, programs like Awana are very heavy on scripture memory uh, for kids age three through, uh, all the way up potentially through high school. And so that can be a tool to use to be uh, putting scripture into your kids' hearts. Sometimes, you know, you may need to, uh, uh, to, um, to, to pick other verses that are more pertinent to the things that you are talking about with your kids. Um, and, uh, and those are great things to do, to stick verses up around your house, uh, but to be intentional in working through uh, scripture memory. Again, when they're young, that's gonna start very simple. Um, you know, most of the Cubbies verses for age three and four are like, two words, maybe three, you know, they get two helps in Awana. So basically you can say help and they'll give you the verse reference and you can say help and they'll give you the verse and you've got it. Hey, it's great. If you can repeat after me, um, you know, so they're, they're starting small, uh, but then, then building up to, uh, to, to other verses that they can learn. And it's amazing what kids can memorize. I don't know if you've ever really intentionally tried to get your kids to memorize things, but most of them will do far better than you will. Most can, can, can ingest so much more than you can, and uh, that's part of the joy of, of young kids is, is being able to cram all that stuff in their brain so that when they're your age, there's stuff in there that they don't even know where it came from, and it's there, and it's useful to the Lord in, uh, in their heart and life. And so uh, scripture memory, again, music's a powerful tool for helping to memorize, and so uh, some of the, the song CDs that that uh, can, can be a part of that as well. Uh, which leads to, to good music is another intentional way. Again, you might say, well, is that really formal instruction that we're listening to music? I'd say, yes, it is, because you are intentionally saying, we are going to proactively try to teach good truth 
through this. And again, on, your, uh, on that resource list, I, I listed a number of different music CDs. There's a bunch of different Sovereign Grace ones. Theology is, um, is uh, uh, the, I think, the newest one that they have uh, that goes with that theology book uh, that is also, also good. Um, one of the songs on there, what's the, uh, uh, my kids could sing it, but my memory's not as good. The, the scariest, what's the scariest of all? The scary song. Sin is the scariest. Uh, but it talks about like creepy clowns and the dentist and all these things that are scary. And then it says, no, sin is the scariest of all. Um, so powerful theology, keep your kids up at night, it's great. Um, <laughs> thinking about creepy clowns, probably. Uh, so uh, theology, walking with the wise is all uh, about, uh, or pulled from Proverbs. Uh, to be like Jesus, obviously, is focused on, on Christ. Awesome God is one of the early ones that they did on uh, just a, a variety of things. Randall Goodgame is a guy who just creatively puts uh, scripture to song for kids. Um, he's got st- one called Slugs and Bugs. I don't know exactly where that came from, but uh, he's just a creative guy. And uh, the Spanglers were just mentioning they've been listening to his Christmas uh, album. I haven't heard that one, uh, but that they had it blaring in their car this morning, and it's all scripture related to uh, um, to Christmas. They mentioned Addie, uh, their their daughter, who's sixth grade. Um, she was, uh, you know, Nikki knew like one line, and her daughter, after a week or two, has been, you know, can sing the whole song and knows the whole all the verse. So um, good music. Keith and Kristen Getty have a number of kids albums. Some that are more kids songs themselves. Some that are hymns. Uh, that are more written for for kids. Seeds of of uh, seeds family worship has seeds of praise, seeds of worship, seeds of courage. A bunch of different seeds ones that are again are all scripture put to music. And uh, and most of these that I've put on here are are kids songs that I don't mind listening to. That's really important because there are kids songs that you put on in your kid's bedroom and then you close the door and you leave. <laughs> And then there are kids songs that you are happy to have playing in the van on a eight hour car trip. And yeah, yeah, so these are ones that I listen to with, uh, I I am as excited to listen to these, sometimes listen to these when my kids aren't in the car uh, (laughs) because they're actually good, uh, well done music as well. Absolutely, and so, you know, if, if, and, and they learn it without thinking that they're learning it. It's kind of sneaky, you know, uh, in those ways. Um, and then questions with answers. Those are the songs for sapling CDs that go with our Sunday school catechism. The first volume of that is available. At least there are, there are a handful left. We've got more of my office down in the, at the Welcome Center, um, free for parents of our church to take to learn those catechism questions. Um, they are the, the one thing I like about those and why we're using those is the catechism questions and the songs have verses that go with them. So the songs aren't just the catechism question and answer, but it includes a scripture that reinforces the truth of that question. So they're, they're learning not only that this is true, but why this is true because it comes from the scriptures in those ways. Um, as with any resource, you know, a- any of these, there, there might, other than the ones that are just like, purely straight scripture, you know, there may be something, you know, when you read a book that you're like, ah, I'd say this differently, uh, you know, to my kids, and, and that's great, but by and large, these are ones that, 
you know, the bulk of what they present. Like the question and answer one, we'll, we'll answer the baptism question differently than, than they do on volume five or something like that. But, um, you know, there's a, a few things like that. Um, another thing that I, I would put under the category of, of intentionally teaching is, uh, or of, of formal instruction, could be uh, things like good books and movies, particularly as you're, you're, you know, you're reading to your kids initially, as they learn to read, putting good books in their hand so that they can read good books. And, and some of that, you know, you, some of you have kids who love to read, uh, as was mentioned, you know, who would, would be happy to be off reading by themselves. And if you just expose them to uh, put them around a good book, they will eventually read it. Some of you might have kids who need more motivation to read, and you may, uh, you know, come up with different ways to encourage and reward reading on those things. Um, but good books can be really helpful for shaping our kids. Uh, I, I put a number of ones on there. One that is, is newer, it's not brand new, but it's been out for a year or two. It's called The Radical Book for Kids, Exploring the Roots and Shoots of Faith. It, it has a variety of things about, that are very clearly about the Bible and about theology, but then it also has different things that are historical and different things that uh, just are kind of fun for kids. So uh, this page is about Athanasius and, and some things with history and about the Trinity, but it's written in a way that's really not intended for you to read to your kids, although you could. It's more written to give to your kids and to then turn them loose reading uh, that on their own. Um, and it's called uh, The Radical Book for Kids. It's even got a cool kid title. Um, and, and one thing that, that's kind of fun for stuff like this, if you buy this to, for your kid and you hand it to them and you say, read this, this is really important. Um, you know, some of your kids will say, thank you, mom. I will read this before the sun goes down today. But many of your kids will be like, eh, whatever. Uh, but if you wrap this up for Christmas, Christmas gifts are exciting, and so they open this, and this is a really cool, fun book we, we heard about for you. You know, there's things like that that can help to motivate them in those ways. Um, another another um, resource for good kids' books is Lamplighter Publishing. Unfortunately, they are crazy expensive, um, but they're really good old books. Uh, these are a couple of them. Uh, we've what, what, How we've gotten some of them is um, my parents give our kids gifts, and so they're always wondering what to give them, and we're like, they don't actually need like another doll or stuffed animal, even though that's what they want, and so they have over time given them some, some of those books. Um, again, gifting makes them a little more exciting. They're also kind of um, published in a way, I think you can still get maybe some of the paperback ones that are a little cheaper, but I'm not sure. Uh, but they're published in a way that they look nice on the shelf, and so they kind of become a, a prized possession for them. But they're, they're old kids' books that have been republished, um, and by old, they're, they're from a time when people, uh, more people, wrote children's books to intentionally teach biblical lessons about scripture and godly character. And so they're, they're really well done by and large and uh, really carefully selected. They also have Lamplighter Theater, which is, yes? Oh, uh, maybe you can, yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, and um, so, yep. Hmm. Yeah, barely anything wrong. Awesome. They have um, Lamplighter Theater, which is a, a radio theater that they've done where they've put books to 
uh, not just reading the book like an audio book, but including different voices and sound effects. Uh, again, they have sales at different times. They can be a little pricey, but uh, for listening to in the car and different things like that, they're pretty, uh, uh, pretty helpful. A um, couple of other, uh, I, I listed uh, some other books there. There's a History Live series, it's church history. You may have seen some of the, the 10 boys who did things, 10 girls who did things. They're short little biographies. Um, there's a number of books that are that are are good for kids in those ways. A uh, couple there at the bottom of that page that are more for youth age kids. Uh, one that's over there is Growing Up Christian, um, which is written for more teenagers who are who have grown up in the church about the blessings of that, but also some of the challenges that can come with that. Uh, book Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris. That one came out a while back. Uh, a newer book called uh, This Changes Everything, How the Gospel Transforms the Teen Years. It was written by a, a teenager, and uh, the same with uh, the Do Hard Things book. And, um, and again, those are books that you're, you're probably not gonna read to your teenager, maybe you would, but uh, more likely to give them and read. So that's, uh, those are some ways, again, to be, to be thoughtful and intentional in those ways. And then, um, you know, some good movies. There's, there's a, a number of resources that, um, I, I think can be helpful. One of those is the uh, the Torchlighter uh, series, and I, I think most of these are in our church library as well. Torchlighters are some biography videos uh, uh, from different folks through church history, Jim Elliott, uh, William Tyndale, Augustine, John Bunyan, and others. The uh, Jesus Storybook Bible for younger kids takes the stories from the Jesus Storybook Bible and illustrates them. It's not like action-packed, but it's, it's engaging enough for most young kids to, uh, to watch and to, to pay attention to. Um, and then a series that is, um, came out a, a few years back, uh, Buck Denver asked, What's in the Bible? It's by um, Phil Vischer, who was actually the VeggieTales guy. And I don't know all that went on with, with the, the VeggieTales transition and stuff, but uh, what I have heard is that he kind of regretted some of what he did with VeggieTales, and so this is um, a more intentional effort to teach the actual biblical truth about things. And so what it is, is it's a, a news anchor named Buck Denver and a bunch of other random characters, he's a puppet, and, um, and they are basically teaching biblical theology and a, and a Bible survey um, for kids in a pretty creative way. Um, it's, it's a little bit of an acquired taste for kids at first, so like they, at first you might tell your kids, no, you're gonna watch this, um, but as they get, get into it, it, it becomes more of a, uh, um, something that they, they will want to do. I mean, it still probably wouldn't rate, like if you gave them a choice, okay, you can watch this, or you can watch, you know, your favorite, uh, princess movie, you know, they're probably still gonna choose a favorite princess movie, but, um, but it's a, a way to, to do that. Again, with anything, there's a few things in there that I'm like, ah, oh, I wish you'd say that differently, or I wish you would take a little different uh, tack on that, but not in, the, in a way that undermines the, uh, the usefulness of it uh, for us. And again, I think most or all of those are in our church library as well. So they start with creation, they go all the way through um, telling the story of the Bible and, uh, and um, I mean, as a, a, I was watching some of those, uh, I don't remember if they came out, I think shortly after I finished seminary, and some of it was like, oh, that makes sense now, you know, putting things together in a way that just was very helpful for, uh, um, you know, it, it's for kids, but as a parent, you'll be like, 
who knew? Like, that's, that makes sense now, how that fits together in those ways. Um, again, those are, those are not things you need to say, okay, we're gonna go out and buy everything on this list, and we're gonna do all of this tomorrow uh, with our kids, but to say we wanna intentionally do things that would uh, teach our kids. Um, through, so formal inter- instruction, uh, but it's not just that. It, it's also, and I would say even as important, is informal interaction with our kids. Talking every day in informal ways with them about God and his word. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Tad Thompson in his book, Intentional Parenting, put it this way. He said, Moses understood that God's truth cannot effectively be taught if it is confined to the home or classroom. How will our children believe that the Bible is about all of life if we only talk about it during the Bible lesson? To put it another way, discipleship is most effectively accomplished when the practice is integrated into the rhythm of everyday life. A consistent time of family worship, for example, is a great discipleship practice, but it is no substitute for a lifestyle of discipleship that encompasses the breakfast table, the car, the bedtime, errands, and chores. There is not a single moment in life that cannot be used as an opportunity for instruction. So how do we do that? How do we interact and engage well with our kids? Well, certainly it starts with us being thinking about, us thinking about those things throughout the day. If the only time we think about the Bible and God is family worship time, we're not gonna bring them up other times throughout the day. <coughs> but if we are, are intentional to be filling our minds with God's word, then it's gonna be able to overflow naturally, or as we are using other resources to formally instruct, then we can pull those things into our interaction with our kids later on throughout the day. Um, so how do we do that? Well, I think it's, it's one, one thing that's pretty simple is to listen to our kids. Do your kids like to talk to you? Uh, at least your younger kids, probably. And they can talk and talk and talk, and what, what do we tend to do as parents? Well, I mean, not you, but like your spouse. <laughs> we tend to kind of check out after a while where it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's great. Whatever. Yeah, uh-huh, sure. Yeah, and so if we just listen to our kids, there's a lot of times where they're saying something and there's a natural bridge to either help develop their thinking in a biblical way or to correct their thinking or to affirm their thinking about those things. And so just listening, learning to ask good questions about, um, uh, about the things that they're thinking of. So if they say, oh, look, mom, there's a bison on the side of the road that we see uh, when we drive through Trophy Club. You know, look, it's, it's running and doing whatever. And you're tempted to say, yeah, that's great. Um, but to say, you know, something like, well, who, who made those? You know, what, what is, what's so amazing about that? You know, to, to draw them in in asking questions is a key way that we can intentionally interact with them. Um, I would say I think this is easier for moms than dads. This was a cartoon I came across a long time ago. It says, ask a mom. You know, the kid says to mom, where do birds go in the winter? That's a great question. Let's go to the library and find a book on that. And she's just kind of naturally wanting to engage. The ask a dad, where do birds go in the winter? Dad says, that way. (laughs) Um, You know, so I, I think this comes a little more naturally in most cases to ladies who are engaging with their kids. Dads, it just means we gotta work harder to listen well, to ask good questions, to converse with our children. Uh, doesn't have to look the same 
but trying to engage in, uh, in those, those ways. Um, some of this means creating intentional time to talk with our kids. How many of you guys have more than one child? Yeah, many of you. And so sometimes it's just this mass of children or volume that's coming and we may need to create opportunities to speak more with one of our children, taking them on, uh, on uh, you know, we, we sometimes do daddy-daughter dates, usually it's like going to the grocery store and I'll take one of them, you know, and just have time to, to talk. And so being, being uh, with them individually can be really helpful for having some of this uh, and sharing about your life, what God is doing and in those ways. So don't think it's just, okay, we checked off the box, we got some good resources, we're spending 15 minutes a day on this, and we got music playing in the car. Engage with your kids and interact with them in these ways, informally. And then the the last way to be intentional, and we've talked a little bit about this, is through purposeful discipline. As we are disciplining our kids, we have the opportunity to instruct them. And we are instructing them. Whether we are instructing them in a way that is ultimately helpful and biblical or not will depend a lot on our own heart in that interaction. If we are just eager for them to change, (coughs) our instruction may be very other than what scripture would call us to. But if we keep our focus and, and prioritize things like addressing their heart, as we've talked about, Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life, or Matthew 15, 18 and 19, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from where? Come from the heart, and those defile the man, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slander. See, discipline is not about behavior change, it's about dealing with the heart and, and helping to instruct them about their own hearts. You know, that's the difference between don't ever hit your brother again. That's instruction. And, you know, you, you are to love your brother as you love yourself. That's what God's word says to us. Or don't glare at me like that. Or versus you are to have a heart that honors and respects the authority God has placed over you. The, those are different. They're, they're addressing the same thing, but one is addressing it in a way that recognizes this is a a heart issue. This is about my attitude towards God and towards others. We need to think about the common acts and behaviors we want to see change in our kids and what are the underlying heart issues that we need to help them to see and, and address with them. I was talking to one of my children this weekend who um, was just blatantly disobeying and and this is something that you know is a routine struggle for her and you know she um, was expressing you know I I just can't change well you can't change outwardly because there's issues going on in your heart and we want to help you to see those things and help you to deal with those things but you have to repent of of those things in that way and so dealing with their heart, getting from behavior to the heart, and discipline is a primary time and opportunity for us to do that. We, we also, as we do that, want to be appealing to their conscience. If we had a little more time, we'd, we'd turn to 2 Samuel and look at the example of Nathan and David. You remember when Nathan came and confronted David? He did it with great skill and wisdom in a way that appealed to David's conscience. He came and, and told him a 
uh, a story, a compelling story about uh, a, a, a related but different situation to get David to understand and to, to recognize the weight of his own sin. This is how we ought to be as parents as well. It's so easy just to tell them what to think. <laughs> this is how you should think. And what happens to our kids? Just like we tune out when our kids talk, 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 and we're like, yeah, whatever. You know, that's what happens with our kids. We tell them how to think. I've told them how to think a thousand times, and guess what? They aren't listening, <laughs> and they're not thinking that way. I have to try to, to be more winsome than that. We have to try to appeal to their conscience to help them see things the way that, um, that we long for them to see, and, and a helpful way to do that is through the use of questions and stories. You know, think of the, um, of the, of an example of, of something like talking to your, your boys about um, how God says we are to, to think about women and, and to abstain from sexual sin. You know, if we just tell them, hey, don't do this. You know, that's true, it's right. But if we paint a bigger picture, addressing their heart, helping them see when God forbids something, he is protecting something valuable and precious to us and, and we should trust God and love him. And then maybe we have a, a, an illustration of that in some way. You know, of <coughs> would you rather drink cold water out of the fridge that is, is on a hot day when you come in from doing something outside or would you rather go stick your head in the toilet and take a drink out of that? Well, both are water, but they're different. <laughs> One is precious and, and pure and right and refreshing. One is a cheap substitute of that. You know, helping our kids to see, to engage in, in those things. Lou Priolo in his book, Teach Them Diligently, put it this way. He says, when using scripture for the purpose of conviction, you should take aim at the conscience of your children. You must try to disturb any complacency and indifference to sin and awaken him to the fact that he or she has, what he or she has done or not done, something that is displeasing to God. And one of the most effective ways of awakening the conscience of others to their sin is by asking them questions. And that doesn't mean that that's gonna be the pattern when your child is three. Uh, but as they age, we have to transition to helping them think about themselves and their sins. So instead of, I can't believe you talk that way to your mother, how disrespectful, which is what I want to say, to say what was wrong with how you just spoke to your mother? What's the difference? One, they nod and smile. Yeah, yeah. One, they have to think and engage. Can, can we make them do that? Can we change their heart? No, but we can interact with them and engage with them in a way that hopefully uh, appeals to their conscience that God has given them the innate knowledge of what is right and wrong and of God that we want to help them face. So we purposely discipline by addressing the heart in our instruction, by appealing to their conscience, and, and then by directing towards the gospel as we have, have talked. Ted Tripp again reminds us the central focus of child rearing is to bring children to a sober assessment of themselves as sinners the focal point of your discipline and correction must be your children seeing their utter inability to do the things that God requires unless they know the help and strength of God. Discipline leads to the cross of Christ where sinful people are forgiven. Doesn't mean, that means we don't say things like, I'm just gonna keep disciplining you until you learn to obey. I can't believe you're still struggling with this. I, I don't know if you'll ever learn. I don't know what to do with you. I've tried everything. What's all that? 
That's all just trying to change their behavior. It's all just trying to, to guilt them into doing something different so my life can be better. It's, I, I know it's hard to obey. I know you feel enslaved to that, that you can't get away from that because that's right, you can't. It's hard for, uh, for any of us to obey, but there's hope and there's help because of Christ. There's only one person who never did that, and it's not your dad. It's, it's Jesus. You know, I, I did the very same things you did, are doing, and yet there's hope for us because of Christ. So let's be faithful this week to instruct our kids, to instruct them formally, to think about what are the things we want them to be learning and how do we embed that regularly and routinely into our family's life. But let's instruct them informally. Let's interact with them, engage with them in conversation. Take those teachable moments that they bring up or that we can bring up through asking questions and, and strive to engage with them. And then let's be purposeful when they, when they fall short of God's standard and we discipline and correct them to be purposeful, to use those times to address their heart and, and appeal to their conscience and direct them to the things of Christ. Um, uh, there's again a number of resources up here as we wrap up you can take a, a look at those I'll have those for the next couple of weeks what we're going to do next week and then I mentioned last week uh, for those that are available we'll probably go ahead and meet on December 17th as well uh, at a seventh week just so we can cover a little bit more want us to start talking about some some pertinent topics for parenting today things I mentioned a couple like evangelizing children how do you handle your child's profession of faith um, communion baptism some of those things uh, issues of technology in today's day and age, um, in uh, gender and some of those kinds of things. Uh, I'll share some thoughts and some biblical principles and then uh, appreciate your guys' feedback. I know different ones are, are doing different things that may be helpful for us to know as well. So that's where we're, where we're headed next week. Hope you'll be able to, to be back uh, with us and uh, let me know if you have questions about any of the different resources. So let's pray together and we can uh, be done. Thanks, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word that is truth. I pray that it would be on our hearts and minds, that we would be filling our minds and renewing our minds with the truth of scripture on a, on a daily basis and uh, that one of the fruits of that would be that, that overflows into our interaction with our children. Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom with the, the age of our kids and the, the things that our kids are, are thinking through and dealing with to to formally instruct them well, to intentionally and regularly use your word to, to uh, bring truth to them and to use the variety of resources that are at our disposal today. Um, Lord, even as Christmas comes up, give us wisdom if there's some things that would be helpful for us to give to our kids or as, uh, as gifts that we can use this coming year. Lord, we pray as well that you would give us eyes to see the opportunities that are before us to just informally interact and engage with our kids on a regular basis. Help us not to grow weary of talking about you with them, of, of engaging with them about your word and about your character and their sin and the gospel. And Lord, as we discipline them, help us to be focused on their hearts and, and to give them the hope of Christ and in a regular, ongoing way. Lord, thank you for that privilege you've given us as parents and, and for the grace that you give us even in that role that we so often fall short of. And so we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.